الله وبركاته. Welcome brothers and sisters to our next talk, which will be given by Sheikh Soeb Hassan. Sheikh Soeb is a member of the Sharia Council of the UK, and he was at one time chairman of Muslim Aid. So he's well qualified in dealing with many sorts of social issues, charity issues, both at home and abroad. Um, he's also highly qualified, obviously, in Islamic studies, having studied through Medina and uh, in India. And he begins our drawing hope from the preservation of the Sunnah. Uh, inshallah, we're going to be finishing at about 9 p.m. كلام الله وخير الحدي حدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الأمور محدثاتها وكل محدثة بدعة وكل بدعة ضلالة وكل ذلالة في النار أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم لقد كان لكم في رسول الله أسوة حسنة لمن كان يرجو الله واليوم الآخر وذكر الله كثيرا وقال الله تعالى إنا نحن نظلنا الذكرى وإنا له لحافظون Dear brothers and sisters in Islam The topic is about the preservation of sunnah And why this topic is chosen? There have been criticism in the past, even in the present, mostly by those people who don't try to regulate themselves by the regulations of Islam, by the Orientalists who are not interested in accepting Islam but just to teach Islam by the modernists who want to reconcile with the modern ways of the living in the West. These are the people who criticize Sunnah and they say that Sunnah is not preserved. And as long as it is not preserved, then you have to practice Quran only. And by saying that, do they mean to practice the Qur'an? No. Because everybody knows that Qur'an has given just principles. The details of those principles are given, are laid down in the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. A very simple answer which is given by a sahabi, Imran ibn Hussain, to a person who was saying that uh, we just depend upon Al-Qur'an and there is no need for Sunnah. He said to him, show me where it is written in Al-Qur'an that Zuhr is four raka'ah, Asr is four raka'ah, Maghrib is three raka'ah, Isha is four raka'ah. It is not written in Al-Qur'an. That is the Sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa And the Prophet has said, Sallu kama ra'aytumuni usalli. Pray as you have seen me praying. So the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ has been preserved. Because Allah SWT has said about Al-Qur'an, إِنَّا نَحْنُ نَزَّلْنَا الذِّكْرَ وَإِنَّا لَهُ لَحَافِزُونَ We have revealed this al-dhikr, one of the names of Al-Qur'an, the reminder, and we are going to preserve it. And we know that Qur'an has been preserved. But Qur'an can't be understood without a sunnah, without a hadith. So if hadith is not preserved, then preservation of Al-Qur'an will not be enough. 
the sunnah which explains Al-Qur'an should be preserved as well, according to this ayah. Now, sunnah, what is the, what is the meaning of sunnah? According to Al-Fuqaha, according to the jurists, those who give uh, the rulings about day-to-day -day life, Sunnah is one of the five rulings. What are the five rulings? Fard, and then lower than that, Sunnah. That is, first you, you have to do it. If you don't do it, you would be sin, sinful. Sunnah is lower than that, which is sometime, according to Fuqaha, is known as Mustahab as well, recommended. Mandub as well. Which means that if you do it, you are going to be rewarded. If you don't do it, you would be held blameworthy on the Day of Judgment. Oh man, why did not you do it? <coughs> on the other side, there is haram, and less than haram is makruh. You must not do this thing, that is haram. So if you have committed haram, you would be sinful. Lower than that is makruh, which means that if you have committed makruh, you would be held responsible, blameworthy on the Day of Judgment. Why did you do that? So just understand these four rulings. On the positive side, fard and sunnah. On the negative side, haram and makruh. And in between is al-mubah, which is allowed. There are so many things which are allowed to you and uh, they are not explained in al-Quran or sunnah because things are many. In food, in drink, in your dress, so they are all mubah as long as they are not prohibited by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So these are the five rulings. Some people, they classify the sunnah into two classifications. There is a further classification, sunnah, which is sunnah mu'akkadah, confirmed sunnah, and sunnah ghair mu'akkadah, which is non-confirmed sunnah. On the other side, they classify makruh into two classes as well, two categories as well, makruh tahrimi and makruh tanzihi. Makruh which is very nearer to haram, very nearer to haram, and makruh which is nearer to mubah. So it means if you say something is makruh tahrimi, it means that uh, you should abstain from it because it is very near to haram, like smoking for example. I don't agree with those people who say that smoking is makruh tanzihi. No, it is makruh tahrimi. But it is haram. Somebody would say that it is haram. Because it comes under al-khaba'is. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given this ruling in al-Quran about the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. يُحِلُّ لَهُمُ الطَّيِّبَاتِ وَيُحَرِّمُ عَلَيْهِمُ الْخَبَائِثِ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes halal what is tayyib. Makes haram what is khabis. So you have to decide about anything. Is it tayyib or is it, is it khabis? All right, let us take the, the example of smoking. Is it tayyib when you enjoy it and uh, uh, it smells very good smelling and people are happy, they flock to you and they say, all right, let us sit in your company. No, they run away from you. In the buses, in the underground, all no smoking. Now the whole plane is no smoking. All those people who want to smoke, they must go outside the, outside the plane and they smoke there. Huh? Yes. <clears throat> so it is khabith. It is something khabith. And some people have said, very rightly said that some people, who, uh, someone who is smoking, now the smoke comes out of his mouth. And smoke normally comes from the fire. Isn't that so? From the fire. So it resembles the people of the fire. So let him go to the hellfire. Anyhow, this is about smoking, uh, about uh, makruh, tanzihi, and tahrim. Another classification. So according to al-fuqaha, 
there are five rulings, and sunnah comes under fard. What is the definition of sunnah according to al-muhaddisun, or the traditionists? Muhaddisun say that whether it is sunnah or hadith, they are synonyms. Sunnah or hadith means the saying of the Prophet, the actions of the Prophet, the approval of the Prophet, one of the characters of the Prophet, or the attributes of the Prophet Either of these four things are included in hadith in sunnah. When he said, إِنَّمَا الْعَمَالُ بِالنِّيَاتِ That is the saying of the Prophet that is hadith. When he prayed, that is the action of the Prophet when he approved something, either he said, that's all right, you can do that, or he did not object to it, like he brought Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. When some Ethiopian lads were playing in the court of the mosque of the Prophet and they are playing with spears and arrows, spears mainly, and Aisha was watching them. Prophet allowed her to watch. So this type of action is known as taqreer or approval. Approval of the Prophet And then one of his attributes, how he used to walk. How he used to treat his wives at home. All about his, his physique, everything is included in the sifa or the attributes of the Prophet that is the definition of hadith and sunnah with the traditionists, with al-muhaddisin. Now come the definition of uh, sunnah with the people of al-aqidah, those who speak about al-aqidah. When we say what is the aqidah of a Muslim, what is the belief of a Muslim, it is contrary to the belief of the Christians. That is aqidah. So those people who speak about aqidah, according to them, the whole life of the Prophet whatever he did, whether it is Qur'an, whether it is Hadith, everything is his way, the Prophet's way, that is the sunnah. So don't mix this word sunnah with the sunnah of fuqaha, or the sunnah of muhaddisin. According to the ashabul aqidah, everything which he has done, even if it is the implementation of the verses of the Qur'an, it is still the sunnah of the Prophet, because the Prophet has done it. Sometime Prophet ﷺ very clearly said that this is my sunnah. What did he say about the marriage? An-nikahu min sunnati. The marriage is my way, is my sunnah. And in another hadith he said, وَمَنْ رَغِبَ عَنْ سُنَّتِي فَلَيْسَ مِنِّي the person who runs away from my sunnah, who deviates from my sunnah, is not from me. So that is the general practice of the Prophet That he wanted people to live a marital life. That is the ways of all the Prophets of Allah Don't say that uh, Isa did not marry, so it is not the sunnah of, uh, of Isa Yes, uh, you are true. This is why uh, the Catholics are their priests, they don't marry. And if they marry, they marry secretly. Nobody should know about that. Huh? In our religion, marriage should be declared. It should be open. But this, this is the sunnah of Isa as well. Because Isa in his second coming, he would marry, he would have children, and he would have a marital life. So that is the sunnah of all the prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we are concerned here about the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa as far as the definition given by the people of aqidah. Anything which is not the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa is known as bid'ah, innovation. The sunnah of the Prophet may be a sunnah of practice or a sunnah of leaving. If he practice something, that becomes a sunnah. 
it, if he leaves something, if he abandons doing something, and the motive is found to do it, <coughs> and there is no obstruction for him, preventing him from doing it, then if someone does the same thing, then it becomes bid'ah. Anything which is in, initiated by the people, and they say something is very good, but we have to find out, Prophet did it or he did not do it. If he did it, that is the sunnah of the Prophet. If he did not do it, that is not the sunnah of the Prophet except anything which he left, which he did not do because of these two, two reasons. The motive was found, but there was something preventing him to do it. Once this prevention or this barrier was lifted, then you can do that thing. What Prophet wasallam has said to Aisha anha about building Al-Kaaba on the foundations of Ibrahim wasallam. He said to Aisha, Aisha, I wanted to raise the house of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the house of Allah on the foundations of Ibrahim and to make two doors for Al-Kaaba, one to enter and one to exit. But I am not going to do it. Why? Because your people are new in Islam. The people of Makkah who have entered into Islam, they are very new to Islam. And if I do something like this, they are going to revolt. They would say, Muhammad has changed everything, even Al-Kaaba. He has changed Al-Kaaba. As you know, when uh, you go to Al-Kaaba and uh, you do tawaf, there is a part of Kaaba which is not built, which is just a four-feet wall, semi-circular wall which is known as Al-Hatim. So you go around Al-Hatim. If you go inside Al-Hatim, your tawaf is not complete. Because whatever is in Al-Hatim is the part of Al-Kaaba. It is not the part of outside Kaaba. So if you want to pray two rakah in Al-Kaaba and the Kaaba's door is not uh, open for you, then pray in Al-Hatim. That is just praying in Al-Kaaba. But the difficulty is that if you are in Al-Kaaba, actually if you are in Al-Kaaba, and I have entered Al-Kaaba uh, twice uh, in my life or maybe thrice, in Al-Kaaba you can face any wall. This wall or that wall or that wall because you are inside Al-Kaaba. Outside Kaaba, you must face Al-Kaaba. Inside Al-Kaaba, you face any wall. That is all right. So when we entered into Al-Kaaba, people, some people were facing that way, some that way, some that way. This is how they were praying inside. Hatim got the same ruling. But in Al-Hatim, everybody is going to face the wall of Al-Kaaba. Because still they think that Kaaba is this one, huh? So nobody is going to face the other way. If somebody faces the other way, people would uh, say to him, Oh, you are wrong. Try to do once uh, and see what is, the, uh, what is going to happen to you. It is allowed, yes, you are inside Al-Kaaba. So Prophet said that I wanted to extend the walls of Al-Kaaba to cover Al-Hatim as well and then make two doors, two gates of Al-Kaaba. But because your people are new in Islam, I am not going to do it. So the motive was found, but there was something to prevent him. This is why he did not do it. And this is why Abdullah ibn Zubair, in his caliphate time, he said, uh, Prophet wanted to build Al-Kaaba on the foundation of Ibrahim, so he completed Al-Kaaba. So in his times, the Kaaba was complete. But because Hajjaj ibn Yusuf fought him later, and killed him, and after killing him, he said, why should I leave Al-Kaaba like the way Abdullah ibn Zubair wanted? So, he restored Al-Kaaba once again, as it was during the time of the Prophet And during the time of uh, Al-Mansur, the Abbasid Caliph, he wanted to restore Al-Kaaba once again, 
to the same foundation of Sayyidina Ibrahim salam, Imam Malik said to him, don't do it. Don't do it. Here it was a maslaha. It was something known as maslaha, a benefit. He said that the caliphs are going to make al-Kaaba, just a toy, a play. One is going to build, the other is going to destroy. Because he is in opposition to him. He is an enemy to him. This is why the caliphs are are going to destroy Kaaba. One is going to build and the second is going to destroy. So just leave it as it is. So remember, remember this definition of bid'ah, innovation which is going to help you. Any new thing you want to do, it should be, first of all, it should be in the matter of deen. Because some people, some people would say to you, why do you ride a plane? Why do you use motor car? They were not available in the time, they were not found in the time of the Prophet wasallam. They are new things. My brothers, these are the new things, but they got nothing to do, nothing to do with deen. This is just a transport. During the time of the Prophet wasallam, people used to, to use camels and horses and even donkeys for transport. Nowadays you got uh, just not one horsepower. You got your car, how many horsepower? So, this is the same horse, but uh, more horsepower, huh? <laughs> so this is a transport, it got nothing to do with deen. We are concerned here with the matters of deen. Anything by which you say, oh, if you do it, you will get sawab. Nobody is going to say if you ride a donkey, you got less sawab, and if you ride a horse, you got more sawab. Nobody is going to say that. So, if the matter is related to deen only, then you have to think, did the Prophet do it? If the Prophet have done it, has done it, then it is a sunnah. If he did not do it, then ask these two questions. Was the motive found during the times of the Prophet? Yes, the motive was found. Was there something to prevent him to do it? Yes, there was something which prevented him to do it. So if that prevention or that obstruction is removed now, you can do it. Like the collection of the Qur'an, some people say Qur'an was collected during the time of Sayyidina Abu Bakr <coughs> Not during the time of the Prophet In one volume. <coughs> so is it a bid'ah? No, it is not a bid'ah. Why? Because Prophet have collected it but that was a verbal collection that was in the mind of the people and the material of the Qur'an was scattered on papers, on bones, on stones, on leather, on so many different things. And there was an obstruction to collect it in one place. What was the obstruction? that during the lifetime of the Prophet wasallam, the revelation was coming to him. Continuous revelation was coming to him. So it was not possible for him to collect the whole Qur'an in one volume. After the death of the Prophet wasallam, people knew that no more revelation would come. Is it your belief or not? Huh? Except for Mirza Ghulam Ahmad Qadiani. They say that still revelation came to him that is wrong. No revelation, no Jibra'il salam is coming to any, any person after the death of the Prophet So, it was possible during the time of Sayyidina Abu Bakr to collect Al-Qur'an. Then it becomes Sunnah. And this is the Sunnah of a guided Caliph. And the Prophet has said, عَلَيْكُمْ بِسُنَّةِ وَسُنَّةِ الْخُلَفَاءِ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِيِّينَ مِنْ بَعْدِ Take my sunnah and the sunnah of those rightly guided caliphs who would come after me. And of course, who were they? Abu Bakr, Umar, Usman, Ali. Radiallahu ta'ala anhum ajma'in. So there is, their sunnah is the continuation of the sunnah of the Prophet Now this sunnah of the Prophet which has been preserved, why it is preserved? What is the reason behind it? First of all, even the non-Muslims like Toyn B, a non-Muslim historian who said 
that Prophet ﷺ was born in the full light of the history. When every, even the minute details of his life were recorded. And this type of record is not found about any other prophets before him. He says, what do we know about Isa life? We just, uh, the, the gospel, they just speak about the three years of Isa's life. They are silent about his childhood, about when he was a teenage boy, when he was in his twenties. They just speak about the three years in his thirties. But about the Prophet ﷺ, you will find all the details of his life. As I said, even the minute details of his life were preserved. So Prophet was born at a certain time when it was possible for the people to record, to write and to preserve it. And that preservation was for this purpose, that this Ummah, which is to become a model for other people, has to practice the Sunnah of the Prophet And why to follow the Prophet? Or why to copy the Prophet? An animal, like an elephant, like a lion, like a tiger. Can it be an example for you? The lion could be an example for you in bravery. A tiger can be an example for you for, uh, in speed, but you can't even run like a tiger, even if you try. An elephant may be in a very fabulous body, an example for you, but even if you eat and keep on eating, and especially like American, we got big Americans. Huh? I just visited America last two weeks, I was there. So, these big, big Americans, uh, because of fast food, because of fast food, they admit that uh, they are so fabulous only because of fast food. So keep away from that fast food, inshallah, if you want to, to remain slim. So an elephant can't be an example for you. Because even if you eat too much, you can't be like an elephant. You can't run like a tiger. You can't even hunt like a lion. So an animal can't be an example for you. You are a human being. Only a human being could be an example for you. And this is why Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, who was a human being, was declared a good example for you. لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنَةٌ لِمَنْ كَانَ يَرْجُ اللَّهَ وَالْيَوْمَ الْآخِرِ وَذَكَرَ اللَّهَ كَثِيرٌ Now before I come to to explain how this sunnah was preserved, let me say that, as I have said in the beginning, that sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ means his way. Whatever he has done throughout his life, that is his way, that is his sunnah. Don't think that only this is sunnah to, to eat with your right hand or to dress in a particular way. Yes, th these are sunnah. Miswak is sunnah as well. But remember, he got sunnah in the field of da'wah. He got sunnah in the field of jihad. He got sunnah when he was in the seat of power. How he dealt with his enemies. Even how he was dealing in his home life, in his state life, all these things are included in sunnah. Now many people, they, 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 they don't want to, to speak about all these other sunnah. They just want to speak about the easy sunnah which you can adopt easily. But when it comes to a dawah, to jihad, they say don't speak about it. Huh? This is not a good time to speak about all these things. Let me take this example of hadith of Abdullah ibn Salam. He speaks about Zaid, Zaid ibn Sa'na, a Jewish person. This is an example in 
his treatment with the non-Muslims. Because Zayd at that time he was a non-Muslim. Zayd says that all the different signs of a Prophet, I found them in the Prophet wasallam, except for two things. يَسْبِقُ حِلْمُهُ جَهْلَةِ وَلَا يَزِيدُهُ شِدَّةُ الْجَهْلِ إِلَّا حِلْمَ He said that I found everything among the signs of the prophethood in him except for two things. What are these two things? يَسْبِقُ حِلْمُهُ جَهْلَةِ His patience comes first, then his ignorance. His patience dominates his ignorance. And if a person becomes more ignorant to him, and ignorance here means to become stupid. That's what it means here, because the word jahl, if it comes in opposition to ilm, it means lack of knowledge. The word jahl, when it comes in opposition to ilm, it means a person who becomes stupid, arrogant. Like uh, the Arabic poet Amr ibn Kulsum, Amr ibn Kulsum, before the time of the Prophet وسلم, he said these words, Ala la yajhalan ahadun alayna, fanajhala fawqa jahlil jahilina. Ala la yajhalan ahadun alayna. Everybody should hear, I am a superpower. Everybody should hear, nobody should be stupid to us. And if any person becomes stupid to us, we will be more stupid than him. He, he was not the Amr ibn Kulsum of Jahiliya. He was also the Amr ibn Kulsum of our Jahiliya as well. Huh? There are in our Jahiliya people like this who are saying the same things. So this Jahal means to become stupid. And then he says that if a person does something bad to him, becomes stupid to him more, he becomes, he is increased in his helm, in his perseverance, in his patience. He says that once the Prophet ﷺ came out from his apartment, with him was Ali, a Bedouin came to him, he said, O Prophet of Allah, my people have become Muslim, and I told them that if you become Muslim, Allah's sustenance would come to you in plenty. But they got famine. I fear, O Prophet of Allah, that they may come out of Islam as they have entered into Islam because of greed. Because of greed they entered into Islam and now because of greed they would come out of Islam. O Prophet of Allah, if you can help them with some money, that would be better. Prophet ﷺ looked at Ali. Ali, is there anything in Baytul Mal? He said, O Prophet of Allah, nothing is left. Zayd ibn Sa'na says, he was standing there. He said, O Muhammad, can you sell me the dates in a certain garden? To such and such time. The Prophet said, no. O Jew, but I am going to sell you the dates, but don't name for me any particular garden. I said, all right. So I, he sold me uh, the dates and I gave him 80 misqal of gold. And as a, uh, as a payment to be as a payment which is given in advance, and Prophet ﷺ has to pay it back. So Prophet ﷺ took the money, and he gave to that Bedouin, and he said to him, take this money, and do justice to your people, and help them. That says that I came to the Prophet ﷺ before the appointed time to take my payment, two days or three days before the appointed time, Prophet ﷺ came out 
with him was Abu Bakr and Umar and Usman. They prayed upon a janaza. He sat beside the wall. I came to him and I took hold of his collar like this. And I looked at him with a very stern face. I said to him, I said to him, O Muhammad, Allah taqdini haqqi. Are you not going to give me my haqq? Wallahi ma alimtukum bani Abdul Muttalib illa musula. By Allah, I have known you people, the sons of Abdul Muttalib. Abdul Muttalib is the grandfather of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. I have known you, you people, you always uh, keep on dragging and uh, not giving the money at its right time. I looked at Umar and he was looking at me also with a stern face. And he said to me, O oh, the enemy of Allah, you are saying these words to the Prophet which I am hearing and you are doing to him which I am seeing. By Allah, I would have chopped your head off, but only because Prophet would not like that, I'm not going to do, to, to, to do that. And Prophet was looking at me with all peace and tranquility. And he said to me, Umar, myself and he, they are both in need of something else. You should ask me to be punctual in my payments, and you should ask him or tell him to ask in a polite manner. He said to me, Umar, go with him and give him his rights and increase twenty sa of dates. Twenty sa of dates, because that was the dealing about the dates. He bought the dates and he has paid in advance. So Umar went to him, uh, Umar went with him and he gave him uh, the dates and the additional dates. I said to him, what is this addition? Ya Umar. He said that Prophet ﷺ has asked me to give you more dates. I said to him, Umar, do you know me? He said, no. I said, I am Zaid. He said, oh, Zaid al-Habr, the great uh, scholar among the Jews. I said, yes. And then I said to Sayyidina Umar, Umar, I have seen all the signs of prophethood in the Prophet ﷺ except for two signs. The first sign that his perseverance, his patience exceeds his ignorance. And somebody who does an ignorance to him increases him in the patience. And now I have tried both of them. Why did I do all these things? Just to find out whether these two signs are found in the Prophet or not. I make you my witness, O Umar, that I have accepted Allah as my Rabb, Islam as my Deen, Muhammad as my Nabi. I make you a witness that half of my wealth is sadaqah for the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa And Umar said to him, say, not the whole Ummah, part of them, because your wealth is not going to, to cover all of them. Say, ala ba'dihim. I said, ala ba'dihim. My wealth, my half of my wealth is a sadaqah on the part of this Ummah. Umar and Zaid returned to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and Zaid said to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasuhu. He became Muslim. He gave an oath of allegiance to him. And then he participated in many battles with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And then he died in the battle of Tabuk. Muqbilan ghayra mudbirin. Muqbilan ghayra mudbirin. At that time he was facing the enemy, not running away from the enemy. This hadith is transmitted by At-Tabarani. Now I just leave uh, the lessons to be understood by you from this hadith. The treatment of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa of that Jew. Now let, uh, let us take another example 
how did he treat the couples, husband and wife, the hadith of Jabir. He said that when we were sitting with the Prophet ﷺ in the market, a woman came. And she said, O Prophet of Allah, my husband does not come near to me. So just separate me from my husband. Prophet ﷺ called upon her husband and asked him. The man said, O Prophet of Allah, Walladi akramaka. By whom? Who has honored you? Inna ahdi biha hadhi layla. I'm just wed to her this night. The woman cried and said, He is lying. Farriq baini wa bainahu. Fa innahu min abgadi khalqillahi ilay. Separate me from him because he is the most despised person, disliked person to me. So Prophet smiled. Now here, you have to listen after that. It is not like uh, other people, they say, all right, you want to part away with each other? Come, uh, give us the fee and we are going to, to write a divorce certificate for you. No, he was not like this. He said, both of them came to him. He brought their head together near to each other. And then he prayed, Allahumma udnu kulla wahidi minhuma min sahibihi aw adni kulla wahidi minhuma min sahibihi O Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, make each one of them near to uh, his spouse. And after that they dispersed. After a few days time the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam passed by the same market and he passed by the same woman. That woman saw the Prophet and then came to the Prophet and said, Ya Rasulullah, Walladhi ba'asaka bilhaq, ma khulqa min basharin ahabba ilayya minhu al-an. There is no person who is more beloved to me than him. That is the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. This is how he dealt with the couples the married couples. And again, I leave uh, the lesson to be understood by you from these two ahadiths. Now let us uh, come back to the preservation of the sunnah. Now the sunnah has been preserved in two ways just like Al-Quran. The way of memory and the way of writing. There were many Sahaba who used to memorize the hadith of the Prophet especially Jawami ul Kalim, those short sayings of the Prophet, which are known as collective statements of the Prophet. For example, Sayyidina Umar asked one day that question, Ayyukum yahfadu qawla fil fitna? Who among you knows the saying of the Prophet about fitna? There would be fitna, there would be trials. And Huzaifa said, I, I myself. Sayyidina Abu Huraira said that there was no one among the companions of the Prophet ﷺ with more hadith than myself. With one difference. He used to write and I can't write. Because Sayyidina Abu Huraira was an illiterate person, he could not write. And these people, they were known with their good memory. Az-Zuhri, who is a Tabi, a successor, who died in 124 of Hijra, he said, I passed by Al-Baqi, the graveyard of Al-Madina, and sometime I insert my fingers in my ears not to listen to any of the things going around. Because anything which enters into my ear is committed to my mind. I can't forget it. So during the time of the Prophet ﷺ, there were people who used to commit it to their memories and there were others who used to write it. Like Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, 
in the farewell Hajj, the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam has said to a person, Abu Shah, when he asked the Prophet of Allah, "I want this khutbah to be written for me," and he said, "Uktubule Abu Shah to someone, write for him that khutbah." And then Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam used to write letters with his commandments to the different tribes, to the people of Jerash, to the people of Yemen, to the people of Bahrain. To understand this point, just take that there are few stages as far as this uh, this topic is concerned. Preservation of the Sunnah by the Sahaba, as I said, in their memory, and also sometimes they used to have their own Sahifa, their own scripture. You can say they got their own copy in which they used to write the ahadis. The famous sahaif or sahifa are the scriptures of the, of the sahaba, very famous ones. For example, sahifa of Abu Huraira, which is written by his people, Hammam ibn Munabbih. That is something important which I want to elaborate further later. So the Sahifa of Abu Huraira, Sahifa of Jabir bin Abdullah about Hajj, that is in Sahih Muslim, the longest Hadith about Hajj, that is the Hadith of Jabir. Our Sheikh Sheikh Al-Bani has explained this Hadith in his uh, booklet about Hajjatun Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that is the Hadith of Jabir in Sahih Muslim. And then he made additions to it. Jabir got another Sahifa or another collection which got about a thousand hadith. Sahifa of Abdullah ibn Amr ibn al-As. He got two Sahifa. One is known as a Sahifa as-Sadiqah, the true Sahifa. And the second is known as a Sahifa al-Yarmukiyah. In this al-Yarmukiyah, he got the sayings about Bani Israel, al-Israeliyat. In the same way, we got among the Sahaba, like uh, Abu Musa al-Ashari, he got his Sahifa, which was taken by his son. Samurai ibn Jundub, his son Sulaiman, has copied his Sahifa. Sahifa of Saad ibn Ubadah, Sahifa of Rafi ibn Khadij. So there were so many Sahaif, or scriptures which were found during the times of Sahaba. They used to write them. Now come to the second stage. That is the stage or uh, the period of At-Tabi'in, the successors. Among the successors, the famous Caliph, Umar ibn Abdulaziz, who died in 101, he commanded Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri, who died in 124. He said to him, that write for me all the ahadith of the Prophet He also wrote to the governor of Al-Madina, Abu Bakr bin Muhammad ibn Amr ibn Hazm, to whatever hadith you got, write it to me, send it to me. So Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri is the first traditionist among the successors who was known to write the hadith with his isnad. Especially, he gives his isnad, and by the isnad you know that uh, how the hadith goes back to the Prophet Let us take this isnad. Imam Malik, he died in 179. He takes the hadith from Az-Zuhri, died 124. He takes the hadith from Sa'id ibn al-Musayyib, who is a tabi'i, he takes it from Abu Huraira, and Abu Huraira takes it from the Prophet Among the signs of hadith, we come to know the statement, awwalu man asnada, Muhammad ibn Shihab al-Zuhri. Zuhri is the first person to give the isnad. Take another example. Among the traditionists, there is Abdul Razak, who died in 211. He took, it his, he took the hadith from his sheikh, Ma'mar, 
who died in 153. Mamar took it from Hammam, and Hammam took it from Abu Hurairah. So, what do we conclude from this? That the first stage is that there were the collections of ahadith by the companions themselves. And these collections were taken by their students who later put them in writing. Like Hammam ibn Munabbih, he took the hadith from Abu Huraira. Abu Huraira did not write it. Hammam wrote it. The later traditionists, they took these scriptures and they included them in their own books. Now the best example for that is the same Sahifa of Hammad ibn Munabbih. Hammad ibn Munabbih has written 138 ahadith in his Sahifa. 138 ahadith. Let us just show you this, uh, this Sahifa of Hammad. That is Sahifa of Hammad ibn Munabbih, edited by the great scholar Rahimahullah Muhammad Hamidullah of Paris. Now, in this uh, collection, 138 ahadith are given. So it means that is that is coming from the time of Sahaba, because these are the ahadith of Abu Huraira, which were taken directly by his people Abu Hammam. Hammam bin Munabbih. Some people, they ask this question or they criticize, they say, that all the big traditions like Bukhari died 256, and in the third century, the middle of the third century. Imam Muslim died 261. Ibn Majah, 273. Abu Dawud, 275. Tirmidhi 279, Nasai 303. These are the big traditions. All of them of the second half of the third century. We read their book, Sahih Bukhari and Sahih Muslim and Tirmidhi and Ibn Majah and Abu Dawood and Nasai. They say that Hadith was actually compiled in the third century. So there is a difference of 250 years between them and the Prophet wasallam. So how could we accept them? Just to remove this doubt, I wanted to explain this fact that a Sahifa, just like the Sahifa of Hammad ibn Munabbih, which got 138 hadith, was totally taken by Imam Ahmad, who died in 241. And his collection is the biggest collection of hadith. Do you know how many hadith in Muslim Imam Ahmad? Any idea from you? Huh? Yes? How many? Loudly. 700,000. 700,000? No, no, in the actual book. In the actual book itself. Yes? This is his collection, huh? Imam Ahmad. That is Musnad Imam Ahmad. That is the biggest collection of the hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It got twenty-nine thousand hadith in it. Twenty-nine thousand, about thirty thousand hadith of the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. And it is called Musnad Imam Ahmad because Musnad got two meanings. One that all these ahadith go back to the Prophet ﷺ with a continuous isnad. The second, that each sahabi got his own ahadith separately. For example, when I open this book, this is the Musnad of Abu Huraira. Musnad of Abu Huraira. Abu Huraira's ahadith are given here. The total ahadith of Musnad Abu Huraira not all of them are here, but they are 5,374. That is the biggest number of hadith with one sahabi, Abu Huraira. 
Imam Ahmad has compiled his book beginning with the hadith of uh, Sayyidina Abu Bakr, the four caliphs, first the four caliphs, and after the four caliphs, then he, sta- uh, then he completes the other six among the ten given the good news of Al-Jannah in this world. Al-Ashara Al-Mubasharati Bil-Jannah. So he gives the hadith of, uh, of them, and then he starts with Abdullah, Abdullah ibn Abbas, and Abdullah ibn Masood, like this, he goes on, and then he comes to Abi Huraira. So my point is that this Musnad of Imam Ahmad has contained this Sahifa completely. 138 ahadith of this Sahifa is a part of Musnad Imam Ahmad. Imam Ahmad, who died in 241, in the middle of the third century. So what do we prove from this fact or from this clarification? That is very clear now that those Sahifa are the collections of Sahaba which were prepared in the first century. They were taken by the later traditionists. Those who made them part of their own collections. So this is why to say that these ahadiths are collected in the third century, that is wrong. The collection was made in the first century. But you can say that uh, in, a, in a book form which only contains sahih ahadiths, that was done later. Another example is that of uh, Musannaf Abdul Razak. Musannaf Abdul Razak, also a very big collection of hadiths. But the difference is that it got the opinions of Sahaba and Tabi'een in it as well. Now, Abdul Razak, who who died in 211, he took it from his Sheikh Ma'mar ibn Rashid, 153, who took it from Hammam and who took it from Abu Hurairah. So you can say that uh, the hadith of Abu Hurairah was later came to light during the time of Abdul Razak in the, in the form of the book called Musannaf Abdul Razak. So nothing was added to the ahadith in the third century. All the ahadith are coming from, from the first, first century. Because we are approaching the end of, uh, of the time for these lectures. So let me summarize it once again that there are stages in the collection of al-hadith. The first stage during the time of the Prophet ﷺ in memory and writing. The second stage, the scriptures of, sahab, of Sahaba, of the companions. Then comes the successors. And after successors come the period of great Imams like Imam Malik, Ma'mar, Awza'i, Shu'ba, Sufyan, who got their own books. And then comes the time of the great traditionists like Imam Ahmad, Imam Bukhari, Tirmidhi, Nasai, Abu Dawood, Ibn Majah. And this is how all these ahadiths are, are preserved. And as long as these ahadiths are preserved and we know what is sahih and what is non-sahih, what is sound and what is weak, it is not difficult for us to practice them. As long as uh, the hadith is found to be a sound hadith, it is not goes back to the Prophet then there should be no question about its authenticity. If this hadith demands something from you, you can safely put it into, into practice because that hadith goes back to the Prophet. Unlike a hadith which is declared as da'if or weak, then, of course, the matter is different. And uh, this type of uh, giving rulings about the ahadith was done in the 3rd century, and also some ahadith which were left in the 4th century and 5th century, and it continued till our own times. In our own times, the biggest traditionist of our times, our Sheikh, Sheikh Muhammad Nasiruddin al-Albani, rahimahullah ta'ala, he has taken 
द फोर सुनन बुक अबू दाऊद तिरमिदी ने साहिब ने माजा एंड देन ई क्लासीफाइड दैम इन टू सेक्शंस सही अबू दाऊद एंड वाइफ अबू दाऊद सही तिरमिजी एंड वाइफ तिरमिजी सही नसाई एंड वाइफ नसाई साहिब ने माजा एंड वाइफ इब ने माजा सो इन दिस वे ऑल दिस सही अहादीस आर नोन नाउ दी ओनली थिंग विच इज लेफ्ट नाउ दैट इज समबडी शुड कलेक्ट ऑल दी सही अहादीस टेकिंग बुखारी मुस्लिम एंड दीज सिक्स बुक अदर फोर बुक्स एंड दी अदर बुक्स एंड फुट दैम इन ए वॉल्यूम लाइक इट सो पीपल नो दैट दीज आर ऑल सही अहादीस so ahadith still yani they are with us they are scattered in these books but we need one book for such a uh, for such sahi ahadith and inshallah somebody is going to do it and with this we come to the end of of this lecture wa sallallahu taala ala nabiyyina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa jazakumullahu khair na Um, I'm afraid um, we're not going to have any time to take to take questions on the floor. Um, but so we've collected the questions you have, and if you have any further, any more, please bring them up. There is a Q&A session tomorrow, and we'll try and answer as many of those, inshallah, as we can. Um, if you can just remain seated for now, brothers and sisters, we're going to um, give the announcement about where to go for the seminars. Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Uh, again, like last time, I have to ask the sisters at Gilbert Murray Hall to remain seated for about 10 minutes, inshallah. Just like last time, please remain in your seats at Gilbert Murray Hall for about 10 minutes. And if the brothers could now make their way to uh, the various locations, but remember, at Gilbert Murray Hall, we don't have use of the marquee anymore. So you are going to be in Gilbert Murray Hall itself in different parts of it. So please uh, obey the instructions of the uh, stewards. They'll guide you to where to go at Gilbert Murray Hall. The seminar locations and types are the same as last time.